Well, tonight, I just want to share some things. Some of them are maybe a little personal, but, but you know what? I, I believe that, that, that if you take some of these things to heart, you could learn from my mistakes. How's that? Could you do that? Would that be better? Yes. Most of us, though, we have to make our own mistakes and forge ahead. But, uh, but it, learning from somebody else's mistakes is really a good idea. So there, I would encourage you to do that. Amen. Um, you know, I... I have, I have misjudged people in my life. Have you ever done that? Have you ever seen somebody, you made assumptions about them, maybe based off of how they looked, maybe based off of something they said? Um, there was a, a guy that, that I met when I was in college, and uh, he, he heard that I was from Nebraska, and he was from Colorado, and he came at me with both barrels. He literally came at me screaming. I mean, he hated Nebraskans, and uh, it was like, I'm, I'm like, but I, I, I could have misjudged him, but uh, actually, we became really good friends. We worked together, and we became close friends, but, but you know, that's not exactly a great start. You understand that, right? And, and you know, it's, it's, it's bad, though. It's a bad feeling. You know, we all like to be liked, don't we? You know, and, and so it's a bad feeling when somebody misjudges you. You know, some years ago, uh, somebody, I was, I, I had met this person. I didn't know them at all. And we'd never really had much of a conversation. And, and uh, there was something that I was trying to, I went to them and I was going to explain something to them. And, uh, and I, because I thought they'd misunderstood. And they go, oh, I know all about you. You don't need to explain yourself. And I thought, you, you don't know all about me. You don't know me at all. And you've obviously made up your mind without knowing me. And that's not a good feeling at all, OK? But let me say this and, and hear my heart here. The, the most challenging person you will ever face in your effort to overcome wrong views, wrong thinking, preconceptions, and truthfully narrow-mindedness is yourself. And if you don't know that about yourself yet, well, maybe by the end of tonight, you'll understand what I mean by that. All right? Why don't you point at your neighbor and say, I think he's talking to you. <laughs> All right, there. Feel better now? Okay, good. All right. You know, if, if you're married or you've ever been in a long-term relationship, uh, this, of course, has never happened with my spouse and I, you understand. But, but you know, sometimes when you're having a more intense conversation, and, and someone might bring up something that happened years ago. And, and, you know, you thought maybe that was long dead, buried, and forgotten. And our answer, our response to that is often anger, isn't it? We don't want somebody bringing up something that, that happened a long time ago. But you know what? You need, you need to give your spouse a break, okay? Because until we are able to walk fully in the freedom of God's word... We do that very thing to ourselves without anybody's help every day. We remind ourselves of stuff that we did in the past and mistakes we made, and we hesitate or we react to things in a negative way that has nothing to do with the situation that you're in. It's all about dragging up the past. And uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm really glad you've never had to deal with any of that. For the rest of us, we, we totally understand what that is. You know, there's a, in Philippians chapter 3, you don't have to turn there, but it, you know, Paul said he presses on to the upward call of God. You know what? God is always calling you to a higher place, to a better place. 
Uh, and, and that is who he is, and that is what he wants for you. And we know from the word that we're more than conquerors, that there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, but sometimes we feel stuck in the mud. And sometimes uh, I was listening to a song, a Christian song, not so long ago by a young guy, and I, I kind of laughed because I thought, well, that's not a great faith confession. But he go, it was a song he wrote about the new year, and he said, and I'm still in the same place I was a year ago at this time. And I thought, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And a lot of us can relate to that, even if it isn't true. It's actually not true, I can tell you that, because God's taking you to a higher place. But, but a lot of times we don't keep track very well of the progress. We see progress in other people, but we don't quickly see progress in ourselves. You know, David wrote this in Psalm 69. He said, Save me, O God, for the waters have threatened my life. I have sunk in deep mire, and there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters, and a flood overflows me. I am weary with my crying, my throat is parched, my eyes fail while I wait for my God. Those who hate me without cause are more than the hairs on my head. Those who would destroy me are powerful. What I did not steal, I then have to restore. O oh God, it is you who knows my folly, and my wrongs are not hidden from you. You know, that, that, we've all felt that way before. It's like, wow, I am a screw-up and a failure. And is this encouraging yet? No, I hope not. All right, just stick with me, okay? You know, Romans eleven twenty nine. you should turn there. That would be a good place for you to turn. Romans eleven twenty nine says this. It says that the, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable or without repentance. Do you understand that God knew all about your life from beginning to end and he called you to himself? He, he didn't misunderstand. He didn't have expectations for something that you were not. He knows exactly what you are. And, and his gifts, notice it says gifts first and not calling. See, everybody, some people are so worried about their calling. What's your calling? Well, you know, it says his gifts and his callings are without repentance or without regret or without, they're irrevocable. They can't be taken away from you, period, end of discussion. They cannot be taken away. Jeremiah 29, 11, we know that one. For I know the plans I have for you, say the Lord, plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And some people are like, yeah, well, I don't see that. I don't see the future. I don't see the hope. I'm in a bad place. And, and we, we see ourselves in a mess or we see other people in a mess and we don't know God well enough to understand how to, what to do with that. And so people get discouraged. I'm thinking of a couple of people in my world, all right? My, one of my friends, his, younger, his youngest brother was born with developmental disabilities. You know, he, and, and he was angry at God. Why did you make my brother that way? Why did you do this? Why? Well, we know God didn't do that. But, but he was angry. I have a friend, another friend, my, actually my cousin. Her, one of her best friends got killed in a car accident, and she was angry. She's still angry. Why did you do that? Why did you take her life? Because she's not taught right. She doesn't understand. So we can get ourselves into the mud. We can get ourselves into a negative place. We can get ourselves with a negative view of God or a misunderstanding of God because of things that happen. And we try to reconcile the mess in our lives with verses like, 
And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. And, and then the enemy starts working on us. Well, this is good for you, he'll tell you. This, this will work out good in the end. And, and then I was taught growing up, I don't know about you, but I was taught growing up, well, God brought those things into your life to teach you something. And I'm like, he's not very nice, you know? And, and I don't know about how he could say he's a God of love if he's not very nice and he's bringing all these horrible things into my life. But see, see, we know he's not doing that, but if we have wrong teaching or we have wrong thinking, which I can tell you most of us have some wrong thinking, all right? And, and just bear with me here. Okay, hang on. We're getting, we're, we're, there's a point here. So hang on, hang on. So, so you know, T.D. Jake's daughter, her name is Sarah Jakes Roberts, and, and I was listening to a message of hers, and she's quite a preacher, but, but I was listening to a message of hers, and she was talking about looking back on the decisions, choices, and mistakes she made during her teen years. And in her mind, they were really, really bad and big. And in her mind, that disqualified her from really having a ministry. People would look down on her. People were thinking bad things about her. She had messed up. And of course, they weren't in favor of that. But then she discovered as she grew up that God had a different opinion. God wanted her in the ministry. And then she spent the next many years in ministry thinking, now hear me, thinking that the reason God wanted her in ministry was because of the mistakes and because she was broken, and therefore he could bring her into the ministry to help people who were also broken or who had made the same mistakes she did. Now, that may have an appearance of spirituality to it, but that is absolute nonsense. Can I just tell you that? Because I'll show you from the Word of God, that's just nonsense, okay? Because, because it's obviously not true, except it isn't obvious, because that's how we think as human beings, isn't it? Isn't it? I've, I've thought that. Well, you know, maybe because of what I did, maybe God's going to have me minister to this kind of a person or that kind of a person or to this, you know, because, you know, I, I, I experienced some really hard things as a child. So maybe if there's somebody out there who experienced hard things, I could minister to them. But see, the devil wants you to have a very, very low opinion of yourself all the time. I can, I can remember the first time when the Lord called me into ministry, I was like, are you kidding I'm dead serious, you guys. I was like, are you kidding me? How could I be qualified to do that? I don't understand that, okay? Because the enemy had me completely believing that God didn't even like me, okay? He had me, I was really 99.9% .9 convinced of that, okay? Not just a little bit, you understand? I mean, I believed it. I, I was like, well, yeah, I messed up. I did this, I did, and, you know, I've been through all, no, he couldn't. But, but hear, hear me again. Sarah Jakes Roberts said, it was so interesting. It, it took me a while for, for it to soak in. But she said, I just believe that God could use me because I was broken. Well, I'll, can I just tell you, walk down this road with me. You feel used then. You feel trapped in sin consciousness, in failure consciousness, because if that's why God can use you, 
then he's going to constantly bring it up to you that you messed up, and that's why he can use you. And, and, and Sarah said this. She goes, and it made me feel even more broken than I already was. Does that sound like our God? No. It's not my God. You know, it's just another trap and manipulation of the enemy. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I want you to look at this. This is so interesting. When the Lord showed me this, I thought, you know, I can find freedom in this because the Bible says that it is for freedom that he set us free. He wants us free. He wants us free from the past. We're going to look at some scriptures that say that. He wants that behind us, and he wants us looking ahead at things. But in, in 2 Corinthians, that is what I said, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it says, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction, so that we will be required to help those who went through the same things we went through. Now, it doesn't say that, does it? It doesn't say that at all. It says, who comforts us in all of our affliction, so that we will be able to comfort other people. You know, if you've been through something, you are able to comfort somebody else who's been through it. Does that mean you have to? No. Does that mean that that's what God's going to have you do for the rest of your life? No. It, it just says you're able to do it. it. It just says you're qualified to do it, but you don't have to do it. God may or may not lead you to do it, but that isn't the point. The point is, is that that, that as he brought you through something, you know what he did to bring you through it, and you're qualified to be a comfort to somebody else. But that may or may not ever happen. But see, we don't look at it that way. The enemy wants to think you're kind of in a, this is what you're going to do, this is, how, this is what God does with you. That's not true. It's absolutely not true. You know, if we believe that our sin and our failures and our mistakes and our habits somehow bring glory to God, it sounds just like what Paul was saying in Romans 6.1 when he said, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? See, we don't, we don't, when we read that verse, we think, well, who would think that? That, you know, are we to continue in sin so that grace would increase? But, but if we believe that the only reason God can use us is because of our past mistakes, you're basically doing what that verse says. You think sin is causing grace to increase in your life. Is that possible? No. No, that's why Paul said it. No, that's not how this works. See, you've been set free to be free. You were set free. You were made one of God's children because, you know why? For God so loved. That's the only reason. Do you understand that? That's the only reason that you were called. Because he loves you. Not because of what he can get out of you, what he can get through you. It isn't any of that. It's all just about love. The Bible says that God is love. That's his fundamental foundation. That's who he is. And, and, and to suggest that, that there's some kind of manipulation or some kind of, you know, coercion, not there. Not there at all. Philippians chapter 3, you don't have to turn there, but... but it's in verse 12, it says, not, not that I've already attained it or have become perfect, but I press on to lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. 
You know, the enemy would remind you of your past if you have a past. He would like to remind you of that every day. He'd like to beat you up with that every day. He'd like to make you as miserable as he can. And he would like you to run into TV shows that remind you and people that remind you and all these things. But you know what? God says, leave it all behind. Isaiah 43 Write this in your notes, Isaiah 43, 18. It says this, do not call to mind the former things or ponder things in the past. Verse 19, behold, I am doing something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness and, and rivers in the desert. You know, God has a, big, a bigger picture of your life than you have of your life. Okay, he does. And he has a great plan for your life. He has, and, and, and that, that uh, scripture in Jeremiah, I know the plans that, and, and actually, you know, they, they changed it in the English because it was too repetitive. But, but it, instead, it says in most translations, I know the plans I have for you, plans for good and not for evil, right? But it, it, in the literal Hebrew, it says, I know the plans I am planning for you. See, see he, he's got this big plan, and, and you've got a call on your life, and that call has nothing to do with your past mistakes. That call has to do with before that, when you were created in the womb, and, and, and he created you for a purpose and a design and a plan, and that's where it comes from. It doesn't come from the mistakes you made later. It comes from the plan that he initially had. So it says the gifts and the callings are without repentance. But when did that start? It started before you were born. Amen. Not because of what you did. It's not even in spite of what you did. It's just God's plan. What did that come out of? That plan came out of his love for you. His plan came out of his design for you. And what he, the personality he gave you, and the giftings he gave you, and the acquaintances, and all the people that you would touch in your world. All right, that's where that came from. So, you know, it isn't really so much about the actions of the past, but it's, it's, it's about the, really, what trips us up is the feelings we have about the actions of the past. And, and maybe the, the people around us aren't very nice about it. You know, I, I had a, a friend. Uh, who, uh, a good friend, he's gone home to be with the Lord now, but he, uh, had, a, he had a child uh, at age 17. And, and so he said to me one day, he goes, you know, God forgives, but sometimes the mistakes you make linger. They hang on. The child did not go away. You understand that, right? Yeah, the child doesn't go away. But, but you know what? There, there's, he walked out of that into victory, all right? It, it wasn't a big deal for him. You know, he, he just let the Lord lead him right on out of that and right into life, okay? But, you know, the enemy will try to trip you up. He'll try to remind, well, yeah, that disqualifies you. Well, it did disqualify my friend. Trust me, he led many, 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 many people to the Lord and served the Lord to the day he died, all right? And, and so, you know, and, but, but I think, you know, sometimes we, we, can get, we can trip ourselves up 
okay, in relationships, all right? You know, when, before Leanne and I got married, we, we had, you know, what, I don't know what you want to call it. We sat down and talked to each other about our past. Why did we do that? Well, because you, that's what you do, all right? You don't want surprises, you know what I'm saying? You, you understand what I'm saying, right? I have, I have two friends who said, well, I'm born again now, and therefore, you know, that's all wiped clean, and, you know, and God's forgotten it, so I'm not going to tell my future, my fiancé, about that. You can understand that doesn't, that probably isn't a good plan. Now, you know, you got to be led, and, and, and you know, I, I've seen couples do this, and, and, you know, where one of them says, okay, I know you've got some history, I don't want to hear about it. Okay, well, that's maybe okay. All right, but for the most part, most of us need to, you know, be real, okay? And, and not real carnal, not real stupid, okay? You understand what I'm saying? You all understand what I'm saying, don't you? Help me out here, right? All right, you know, I, I think that God called you, he saved you, simply and purely out of love. And, you know, he doesn't just love, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He doesn't just love the pretty people or the smart people or the rich people. You know, those are our relative concepts that are in the world, you know, that has to do with cultural bias and has little or nothing to do with God's view of humanity. You know, we, we, we all are, you know, it's just the world we live in. We like this look. We don't like that look. We like this hair. We don't like that hair. We like this you know, whatever, we like tall, we like, we like short, we like whatever we like, but there's bias, okay? I've traveled a little bit to other countries. You know, we have prejudices here in our country. Boy, I'll tell you what, they have prejudices in every country, but they're not the same as the prejudices in our country. So it's like, what? You know, and you look at them and you think, why would you do that? Well, I'm sure they come here and go, why would you do that? You know, I have a friend, uh, I have friends from, uh, the Netherlands, and uh, she's black, and he's white, and they said to me, they said, we didn't know we were a mixed couple until we came to the United States. I was like, <laughs> well, you think about it, that is ridiculous, but, but what do we do? How do we talk here? That's our bias, okay? That's our culture, not everyone's culture, but that's some people's culture. You understand what I'm saying, but, 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 God doesn't look at us. He has a way bigger view of the world than what we have. So, you know, he doesn't just call this and that. But look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says this. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Paul's looking around the church. Don't see a lot of wise men. Hello. Don't see a lot of scribes. Those were the... The, some of the religious leaders, people who had qualified for a religious education back then. Where's the debater, meaning the wise, the quick-witted, the quick-tongued of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Skip down to verse 28. Consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things that are strong and the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen, the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast 
before God. Verse 30, but by his hand you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. You know, I, I love that passage of scripture because he didn't call just the perfect people. He called you and me. And he called those of us who are not so perfect. And maybe, you know, I mean, he even said the despised, you know. And, and, and kind of a side note here, do we welcome the despised? Do we welcome the weak? Do we welcome the people who aren't so pretty and aren't so smart? God does. He's not up there judging anybody for that. Amen. He's not looking down at anybody because, you know, they didn't get straight A's in school. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17, you know this one. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things are come new. They're new. They're pristine. They're perfect, not patched up not just renovated, it's a new creation. And when God looks at the despised and the weak and the not so smart, he sees a new creation. He sees perfect, all right? And, you know, we, we tend to judge people, but you know what? We are so hard on ourselves sometimes. And you have to understand God's not judging you either. He's not looking down on you. He doesn't look at you and think, well, you're not smart enough or you're not trying hard enough or you didn't get good enough grades in school or you're not attractive enough or you're not thin enough or you're not heavy enough or you don't have enough hair. That'd be, that'd be bad. But, uh, you know, he, he, he doesn't look at us that way. He looks at us and loves us because he made us a new creation. He paid for that with the blood of his son and, and to buy us out from the devil's uh, the, the devil's possession so that we could be his children and we could walk with him. And he accepts us just the way we are. He welcomes us into his family. He's not trying to get us to be something we're not. He just wants us to walk out who we are and become and rise up to that person that he made us to be and forget about the past. To let the past go, all of our mistakes, it means nothing to him. I'll, I'll prove that to you in a minute. But, but, but hang on. You know, I, I, I've seen, you know, aren't you, aren't you glad you're a new creation? I am. You know, I, I have a couple people I know that have partially renovated their houses, and in my opinion, they shouldn't have bothered because it didn't help much. And they spent a lot of money, and it doesn't look that good. It's like, you know, if you're going to do it, do it right. You know, that's what God did with you. He did it right. He made you a new creation. You're perfect in his eyes. And, and you're like, yeah, but I'm not perfect. No, your soul's not perfect. Your mind, you know, we've all got to renew our minds and our emotions and our wills and get those lined up. But you know what? That's what he does. He's working. It says he's at work in us both to will and to do according to, to what pleases him, you know, and, and what pleases him pleases us. Have you ever noticed that? Sometimes you think, well, wait a minute, is that against what I think or for what I think? No, trust me, what pleases him pleases you. You know, you're going to be excited. So, so thank God he didn't just try to semi-renovate us or like, you know, semi-effective plastic surgery. Have you ever seen those on the website? Woo! Aren't you glad you're not them? Anyway, I better, I better keep going here. Anyway, um, 
<laughs> you know, what does your past have to do with your future? That's a good question. Let's think about that for a half a second. You know what? Only the God-inspired part of your past has any connection whatsoever with your plan. You know? That doesn't mean we deny it. That doesn't mean we lie about it. That doesn't mean anything. It just means it doesn't have any connection to do with our future. You know? Now, could God use something from your past in your future? Absolutely. I knew a guy. He got saved. He was a musician. He was a successful musician. I believe he lived in Nashville, like, you know, Music Central. And uh, he was very, very successful. And he got saved, and he thought, I'm going to leave my old life, because that life wasn't pretty in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, he was talented, but there were lots of other things that went along with that life that he said were not pretty. So he got saved. He went to Bible school, and uh, he was all excited about what God was going to do. And, you know, they found out he was a musician, that don't you want to play music? No. No, I left that behind. I left that all behind. That's my past. I'm done with that. No, see, <laughs> you understand, right? You know, when I was uh, young, my, my, one of my close friends in middle school, seventh grade, seventh grade, a guy named Jonathan, he told me one day, he goes, I'm going to go try out at a play over at the Omaha Community Playhouse for the Junior Theater, which is now the Rose. And he, he said, you want to go? I said, well, I don't know, maybe. So, uh, so I called my mom, and you know we didn't have cell phones back then. I had to go to the office and call mom. Mom, what do you think? Can I go? She's like, yeah, go for it. Go try out. So I went and tried out for the play. Jonathan tried out for the play. Jonathan got a little bit costume part, and I got one of the leads. I'm not sure that went over well with Jonathan. But, um, but, but, but. Then I, I did some other stuff, but I never imagined God would use that in my life down the road. But in most every church I've ever been on staff at, they had me doing plays and doing dramas and doing skits and writing stuff because, you know, all that stuff from my past got brought into my future, but it was the God-inspired parts of my past. You understand that? You know, God may use your education. You know, when I was 18 years old, you know, I uh, had to... I was making decisions. My parents wanted me to go to college. That's great. What are you going to study? I have no idea. So I was like, you know, and then I, I would never, I better be careful what I say here. Okay. <laughs> I would not be quick to encourage anyone to get a degree in psychology, but that is what I felt like I was supposed to do. And, and I, I actually got, I went and got a job in a psychiatric hospital. I did not enjoy that. I didn't think that would be a great thing for me to do in my future. I was thinking I would be a psychologist. That was my big plan. I, I, I actually, the psychologist at the place I worked let me work with him. Figured out in a hurry that was not my future. No, thank you. Not my job. No way. But I had a degree in psychology. Oh, I hung it on my wall. Yes. So, you know, but, but here, you know, all many, many years later, almost, mm, let's think, how many years later? <laughs> 15 years later, I got a phone call from a lady, and she goes, I have a job at my uh, social service agency that I would love to give you. And I was like, really? No, I don't think so. She goes, well, let me talk to you about it. I'll take you to lunch. I was like, okay, well, we can go to lunch. Free lunch, good, okay. So we went, and I listened to her. And get, get this, it paid like 
half again as much and almost double, actually, eventually, within a year, double what I was making. And, and I was working nights and weekends and doing all this stuff. And this was Monday through Friday, you know, with lots of benefits. I was like, really? Okay. I could do that. What are the requirements? Well, you have to have a degree in sociology, social work, or psychology. I'm like, oh, I qualify. See, see, God can use things in your past, in your present, and in your future. You understand that? Sometimes we were led. We didn't even know we were being led. I didn't know one. Th I was born again, but I didn't know one thing about following God when I was 18. Can I just let you know that? But off I went, you know, and did, did God know that down the road, 15 years, I would need that degree? Yes, he did. But I didn't know it. I, was, I got out of college going, why did I do that? <laughs> but see, he's smart. So don't just discount the things that God did in your, uh, in your life, you know? Um, what does God do with your past? Turn over to, to Revelation. This is a funny passage to go to. Revelation 21. Go there. What does God do with the past hurts, the past pain, the past issues you had, the past conflicts you had, the relationships that were a mess? your life that was a mess, your habits that were a mess. What does he do with all that if you're supposed to just forget about it and leave it behind you? Because it, it'll try to hang on. The devil's going to try to remind you of it and beat you up with it and make you miserable if he can. He loves that. The more miserable you are, the happier he is. Don't, don't accommodate him, please. All right. Are you in Revelation 21? You know, what does God do with our past? You know, remember when Jesus the, the, was talking to his disciples about prayer, they'd come to him and said, Hey, Jesus, teach us to pray. So he said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, now here, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, so if we look at what his will is in heaven, we can know what his will on earth is. Isn't that right? Did you catch that? You've quoted that prayer. Some of us prayed it every week in church, didn't we, growing up? Some of you weren't in church probably growing up, but that's okay. The Bible says not to be repetitive in your prayer anyway, so that's okay. But here, here we go. Revelation 21, verse 1. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the, This is a future, by the way. The first heaven and the first earth passed away. I don't know what that means, but they're going away. And there was no longer any sea. I don't know what that means. Pastor Tony's going to be very disappointed by that. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice, I can hardly read this, from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle or the dwelling of God is among men, and he will dwell among us, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And look here, this is his will on hev in heaven, same will on earth. And he will wipe away every tear. From your eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain because the first things have passed away. You know what? It's His will in heaven that those things be behind us. It's His will on earth that those things be behind us. Just let them go. Don't beat yourself up. Don't let the enemy beat you up anymore. Your past doesn't define you. I want, we're going to look at Peter real quick. Um, you can put this in your notes. You don't have to look it up right now. But, but Luke 22, 
61, one of Peter's mess-ups. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. This was when he was, in, he was uh, being tried, and, and Peter was out in the courtyard, and he denied him already three times. And it says in verse 81 or 61, the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had told him, before a rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. So after he was resurrected, Jesus was resurrected, and uh, some of the disciples had gone fishing, including Peter. And they'd fished all night, hadn't caught anything. And Jesus was on the shore making them breakfast. And Jesus, I have to say, he missed a fine opportunity here to give Peter a piece of his mind, okay? He missed a very fine opportunity here. I'm just going to let you know that, all right? In John 21, you may want to turn there, but I'm, I'm going to keep reading here. In verse 15, it says, So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, then why did you deny me three times and sink into the water instead of trusting me when you were walking on the water? No, Jesus didn't say any of that. Now, he had a fine opportunity to bring those things up from the past. But do you notice he didn't do that? No, he, he said, now, I want you to think about this for a half a second, because here's what we do. We're looking at the past when the future is right before us. But what did Jesus say to him? He's like, no, the future's this way. Do you love me more than these? He said, tend my lambs. I've given you a job to do. It's this direction. It is not the past. It is the future. And just to make sure Peter got a hold of that concept and knew that Jesus wasn't beating him up, he asked him two more times and, and said, do you love me? Yes, shepherd my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, tend my lambs. And then in verse 19, right at the end of it, he said, after he'd spoken all this, he said, follow me. You know what? When you follow Jesus, he's going right into the future. He is not going backwards. He's not going to lead you into the past. He's going to lead you out of the past, just like he led Israel out of Egypt. There's no going back. Now, do we ever turn around and look back? Sadly, yes, we do. Sometimes we do. But the past is not who you are. Can I just listen to me, okay? Peter was not a failure, a sinker, a cursor, a denier of God. He did all those things, but that's not who he was. What did Jesus say? Before all that even happened, he goes, upon this rock, meaning not Peter, but you understand, upon this rock, I will build my church. And he's looking at Peter because he knew Peter was going to be the head of that thing. And Peter was at the very, very beginning. He didn't stay the head of it, of course, because, you know, people get older and they die and then there's other people who take over, et cetera, et cetera. But, but Jesus looked at him and said, okay, he said his future before Peter even messed up all those things because Jesus wasn't looking at the mess ups. All he was doing was looking at Peter's plan. And Peter's plan was to be the leader of the church. And, and so Jesus, you know, here's Peter feeling all bad. You know, so Jesus, when he resurrected, you know, he goes, go tell the disciples, oh, yeah, and Peter, because Peter thinks he's not a disciple anymore. So whatever. Anyway, so they told the disciples and Peter. So Peter, you know, Peter's getting, he's helping Peter get back on track. You know, that's what he's going to do for you. 
That's what he does for me. He gets us back on track so that we can get connected to our plan, so that we can follow him. See, you know, we can get ourselves in trouble if we're looking at the past. If we let the past defi define us, we can be angry and selfish. People get, now think about this, don't, don't get mad at me. People can be like excessively shy because they have such a low opinion of themselves because of stuff that's happened to them and hurts that have happened to them in the past. They can have no opinion. You know they actually do have an opinion. They're just too scared to share it or they're so beat up that they're not willing to share it. See, all these things happen if you stay focused on your past. God doesn't want you there. That's why. Because you can't accomplish everything that he has in your plan until you let go of that. You know, Pastor Tony's given that example. You know, you can't, you can't let, you know, what does he say, you know? Until you let go of something, even if you just have the tiniest bit of it, you still have it until you let it go. Now, if you let it go, you can move forward, amen? And that's what God wants. He wants you to move forward. He wants, he has a great plan. You know what? You are who God says you are. You're more than all those things that people are and they do who are focused on their past. You know, I, I look at some of the people, it breaks my heart to think about it. Some of the people I know who are, are you know, they have horrible habits. They have terrible uh, dependencies and addictions and their life's a mess because all they think about is the past hurts and the past griefs and their past failures. And, and they're 100% focused on this and they're never going to be able to get rid of that stuff until they turn to God and start following him. And I'm saying, Peter, Jesus said to him, follow me into the future, not to the past, into the future. So, so forget the past. It's possible to do. It may not feel possible to do, but if God told us it was possible, then he'd, he'd be unjust if he told us to do something we couldn't do. So you can let go of it. You can put it behind you. You know what? Uh, you know, I, I think uh, Joshua, in, in Joshua chapter 1, you can turn there if you want, but, but Joshua was Moses' servant. Uh, for 40 years, he followed Moses and just helped him and lifted up his arms and supported him and, and was there for him. And, and Joshua chapter 1, verse, verse uh, 2, it says, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, Joshua, arise, cross the Jordan, you and all these people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Look at this. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. You know, God has a plan. Everywhere you go is, is a place that you can take charge of. You can take over. You can, as a Christian, you can put your foot down and be a part of the solution and not the problem. You can be a light. You can be salt. You can be an encourager. You can be a blessing. You know, we... Uh, we uh, we go, to, we go to a lot of things, you know. We go to a lot of places, and a lot of us are, I'm a pretty quiet guy, really. I know that's hard to believe. I get up here and run my mouth. But, but uh, I'm a pretty quiet person. Am I not? Pretty quiet person at home. But, but you know, when, when we're out and about, you just, just be led. Don't, don't let fear 
don't let whatever you've been told about you hinder you from following God and doing his plan. You know, look at verse 5. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Do you see that? See, see, it's you and God, all right? You and God. Uh, Henry, can you come here a minute? I, I need, I need a, a stand-in, and you're way taller than me, so you're the perfect one to stand in here. All right, so, so you know, the Bible says that in him, in God, just stand right there, in him we live and move and have our being. Our, our person is is inside of God. He, he looks at us that way. And, and we're with him and we're part of him. And everywhere we go, he, he's with us. I'm just going to grab you. He's with us everywhere we go. So, you know, if, if I had him with me, I wouldn't be scared to go down anywhere and talk to anybody because I got him with me and I'm fine. And I'm not the slightest bit worried because he's always with me. See, Everywhere God tells you to go is safe. Do you understand that? Now, don't be stupid. I'm not telling you to be stupid, but I'm just saying, you know, sometimes we need to see a physical representation of the fact that he's always with us, and he's never going to leave us, and no matter where we go, he's there, and he's always there, and he's always smarter than we are, and he can always encourage us and always tell us what to do, and if we shouldn't do something, you know, he'll tell us that too. Has he ever told you that? You good. You Thank you. All right. You know, when I was, when I was in sixth grade, uh, my mom's uh, friend, she had a friend named Alice, and Alice had a son named Billy. Billy was not tough. Billy was not tough. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. And Billy was like in third grade, and, and he walked back and forth from home to elementary school. It was about three and a half blocks. And, and some kids that were tougher than Billy that were in Billy's grade started picking on Billy and bullying him when he was walking home. And so Alice called my mom, and my mom asked me, would you mind walking with Billy uh, back and forth from school a couple times? And, and, uh, and I was sixth grade, and almost as tall as I am now, and Billy was about this big, and all these little punks that were bothering Billy were about the same size as he was, but Billy was not tough. So I started walking with Billy, those kids, you understand, they took one look at me and went, mm, maybe not today. We'll leave Billy alone today. See, that's what the enemy does when he sees you. See, now, unless you encourage him and let him in, he's not going to bother you. He is staying away from you because he saw who was with you. You also have angels with you. He also sees that. So do you understand, you know, Jesus said this. He said, resist the devil and he will just continue to hang around. Isn't that what it says? No. No, 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 no. Resist the devil and he will what? flee. Like in seven directions, he's going to flee as fast as he can. See, all you have to do is say no. Because you're a child of God. You're born again. You know, kick up your chin a little bit, all right, and put your shoulders back and stand up straight and walk with him. You know what? You're stronger than the devil. You're smarter than the devil because Jesus is inside of you. You're more capable than the devil because Jesus is inside of you. And, and any of that stuff that the devil tells you about you isn't even true because it's in your past. And, and Jesus said, or God said in, in Psalm 103, that as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed your transgressions from you, God's not thinking about it. He threw it into the sea of forgetfulness. So why in the world are you bringing it up? 
Well, you're bringing it up because the enemy keeps reminding you. Don't listen to him. He's just a punk. He's just like one of those little third graders that has no business bothering you. And as soon as you resist him, he will stop. That's what he does. You know, I think that uh, we'll look at, we'll look at uh, two more verses here. Proverbs 4.25. I'm actually going to end on time. See, this is a really good thing. So, you know, this is, this is a, a goal that, that a pastor has to not talk too long. Okay. So Proverbs 4.25 says this. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Do you understand that's into the future and not at the past, right? It's not, and I don't mean to pick on this side of the auditorium and call you the past, you're not. You understand what I'm saying, right? It's a figurative thing by example, all right? So, but, but, but we're pointed in one direction. It says, fix your gaze directly before you. Don't be like Lot's wife. You remember her? She turned around and looked at the city because she was sad to leave her little house. Okay, no, don't turn around. Just forget about the house and whatever else might have been there. And you just stay on God's plan and God's track. And you just stay looking forward because he's with you. He's strong. He's able. And he's made you strong. And he's made you able. And he's made you prepared and ready. And you're qualified. No matter how you feel, no matter what the enemy's told you, you're qualified to go into that future and into his plan. So just do it. Amen. Last verse, Proverbs 4.18. It was just back a few verses. It says, The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. You know, as you learn from him, as you walk in his light, as you walk with him, you're going to get more and more light. You're going to get more and more wisdom and knowledge about what his plan is for you and what he has for you to do on this earth. And, and as you walk that out, there's so much joy, but, but you know what? There's so much strength in it. And, and as you just learn to just tone, tune out the devil, do you know you can do that? You know, when I, when I started uh, on staff at the church in Tulsa, uh, they, my office was on the hallway, straight across the hallway from the largest daycare in the state of Oklahoma. And they had an intercom system that that would just be, eh, 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 eh. and the first couple days, I, I didn't know if I could take it. But, you know, after a week, I didn't even hear it anymore. It's like, whatever, you know. It's like, and, and you know, we can tune the devil out just like that. You don't have to listen to him. You know what? He, he's not your Lord. He's not your guide. He's not your leader. He's not anything. He's defeated, and he knows it, and God is your captain, he's your shepherd, and we follow him. Amen?